Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Cloud overhead, hoping that I break that. Won't get a hold, won't determine fate that. I still see something. Yo, what? I'm checking the box scores right before I started recording this, and I see Joel Embiid had 59 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, and 7 blocks tonight. That dude had 103 fantasy points. Man, Jimmy, I know you boys with Embiid. Get your boy over here, man. That, those, those, that, that Philly team's a bunch of bums, man. They, Embiid did all that, and they only won by 7 against the Utah Jazz. Now, I know the Utah Jazz are balling right now. I have no idea what that's about. I kind of gave them a lot of crap for uh, preferring Colin Sexton over Tyler Hero and the Donovan Mitchell trade. But uh, I guess, well, Sexton's been okay. But uh, I guess it's Larry Markin, man. He's been balling another 15 and 10 tonight for him. But anyways, we're not here to talk about the Jazz. We're not here to talk about uh, the 76ers or Embiid because the Heat finally had a winning week and most importantly, a game where they looked very, very well. But before we get into all that, let me tell y'all, uh, welcome back. Glad to have y'all here. Of course, this is Believe in the Miami Heat, hosted by myself, Anthony Nardo. Brought to you by the Believe Network, as always. Heat finished 2-1 and one this week with a loss against Portland and then back-to-back wins versus the Charlotte Hornets. One of them pretty, one of them not so much. But we're going to go ahead and start with that game versus Portland. Now, Tyler Hero missed that game. He actually missed all the games this week. And he has been a player of big controversy this season started off pretty hot shooting the ball really well and then when you start losing they look at the guy in Tyler Hero who got paid all this money and he had some bad second halves where the heat looked pretty pretty bad so obviously people were not so happy with Tyler Hero and then you heard Spolstra call them out or kind of call him out in the post game saying the ball is not moving as much as it should I think he was more calling out the team than Tyler Hero specifically, but it certainly put a lot of eyes on Tyler Hero of people thinking that he's just a shot chucker and seeing how the offense looks with or without him. And to start that game versus Portland, the ball movement certainly looked very, very good. So it kind of made me question whether Tyler Hero was, you know, kind of as good as I thought he was. Because certainly to start this year, I was one of those people that said, yes, I saw Tyler Hero take another step. He seems to be getting to the basket a little bit more. He seems that he's really improved like his, his three-level scoring. Something that he was always good at, but it was uh, it seemed like he was able to do it a little more efficiently, uh, efficiently and effectively. But obviously, the, the ball movement didn't look so great at times. And when you got Jimmy and Bam out there who are not necessarily shooters, but when Tyler handles the ball game, you got those guys sitting in the corner and they're not so effective. So fit-wise, doesn't seem great. Of course, the fit with Max Drew seems a lot better, but I think that's something that I'm going to get into uh, as we go to the end of this podcast because that's been a big topic of discussion. But that game versus Portland sucked. At least the ending of it, of course, it hurt a lot. It was a heartbreaker. I don't want to make that joke. But I already did. It's too late. I already made the joke. But of course, everybody's making that joke as Josh Hart hits the three at the buzzer. But how did we get there? Well, Miami was playing pretty well all game, a sign that I thought that, you know, leaning towards that, maybe this team is better without Tyler Hero, at least without the starting lineup, because of course they were playing well. They had an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter, which of course they blew. They actually went down three because Jeremy Grant missed, uh, Jeremy Grant hit a three in the corner, so he killed us once again this year. He's played very, very well against us, and of course that's a guy that Heat fans were kind of hoping we can get. And he didn't go for much more than, I think, just the first-round pick. So he's certainly a guy we could have got, but uh, Pat Riley decided to stay put. Or let me not say that he probably wanted to use that pick to try to get Mitchell or KD, and it didn't happen. But unfortunately, when you go for those whales, you lose that on Jeremy Grant. But 
that's something I've said all season and that I'm okay with losing out on Jeremy Grant if it means you try to get Mitchell or KD or an actual well. But Jeremy Grant did hit the big three to tie, but my guy Max Struess hit a crazy wild fadeaway, 100% contested three-pointer with a defender in his jersey to tie the game right back up. But we all know what happened after that. Damian Lillard kind of came right all the way down the court and then uh, gave it to an open Josh Hart in the corner. People were mad at Lowry for that. People were mad at Duncan for that. To me, I'm not super mad at anybody in that case because they basically did everything they can to get the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands. And when you, guy, when you have a guy or an opponent who's as notorious as hitting game-winning shots as Damian Lillard, he literally has a nickname, Dame Time, a celebration, the point to the wrist. It is a pretty cool celebration, so I'm not going to be a hater. But when you have a guy who's that notorious for hitting game-winning shots like Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, even Kevin Durant, maybe even Kyrie Irving, as much as I don't like the man, I am full. Uh, I am a full believer in get the ball out of that star player's hands, make somebody else beat you. And that's what the Heat did, and you know it led to an open Josh Hart in the corner. And shout out to him, he hit the shot, and obviously the Heat won. Uh, Josh Hart seems like a really cool dude, so I guess good for him. Apparently, Josh Hart like leads the league in corner three point percentage. I had no idea that would be perfect on the Heat because not only is he a guard that can score, score a little bit and play defense, but he can also rebound and hit that corner three. Kind of sounds like the dream player for Miami. I'm just I'm just being honest. I wonder if they can go and get him. Uh, probably not, though, because obviously Portland's off to a pretty great start, uh, and they want to compete this year. So I do agree with getting the ball out of Lowry's hands, unfortunate, or out of Lillard's hands. Unfortunately, though, uh, Hart was so wide open because Lowry had to help because Lillard looked like he was about to have a wide-open layup, and that's because Duncan Robinson was kind of right there on him. And we are well aware of Duncan's deficiencies when it comes to defense. But Duncan had a good game, so, you know, you got to take the poor defense when he's out there to— uh, when he's out there hitting threes, but which he hasn't done a lot of this year. Uh, he already had a, I think in the last game of versus Charlie, he had uh, zero threes again, which 0 for 6, you can't have games like that. I mean, Shrews did pick up the slack, but we'll, like I said, we'll get into that game later. Uh, for the Heat, Lowry had a good game, I guess. He had 15, 7, and 8, so certainly one of his better games this year, but it's very frustrating watching how much Kyle Lowry complains. He even got a technical foul that game, when the foul was called on Portland, what are you doing complaining when they called the foul on the other team? I just don't understand that. It, it is frustrating when you see Lowry continually complain and complain. Even after he got the technical, he still kept talking to the ref. It's just frustrating watching Kyle Lowry as a Heat fan. but And especially since he's not off to the greatest of starts. Now, yes, he has been better of late, but you know, still not super great. But shout out to him. He had a great game. If you can continue to get... A relatively close to that level, I think this can be a good Heat team. So what kind of and he, he did finish the the week relatively well too. Not not too many stinkers. So uh, get, I'll give him credit for the good week and hopefully uh, he just got off to a slow start to start the season with some rust. And uh, and if he can pick it up and continue the, playing the way he has been, uh, maybe this team will be okay. Maybe just maybe. But we're gonna move on into the second game versus Charlotte. So Miami Heat played a ton of zone this game. Now, they, they've played a ton of zone all season, really the last three seasons, and, and they kind of have the roster to do that. You know, a few wings, athletic wings, Caleb Martin, even Max Struess is, is, you know, more athletic than uh, Duncan Robinson, for example, or Tyler Hero. So they, and they, so they played the zone really well. 
allowed Miami to get up double digits. And specifically, I, I said Caleb, I said Strews, but Gabe Vincent as well. Super, super impressive in the zone. Having those athletic guys, especially the scrappy defending, uh, defensive abilities of Gabe and Caleb, having them at the top of that zone is beautiful because the other team is swinging the ball, they're moving around, and we have the athleticism and speed to recover. So it's great. They went up double digits. They closed it to eight at halftime, uh, but Oubre balled out in both games. In the first game, he had 19 in the first half, and I made the mistake of watching that game with my girl, and obviously Oubre being the suave, uh, what's his name again, Tsunami Poppy, the suave Tsunami Poppy that he is, had my girl questioning, who is this man? Well, she knows who he is. Who, who am I kidding? Listen, if you if you watching a Hornets game with your girl, she ain't your girl no more. She she Ubre's girl, especially if he dropping nineteen in the first half, and I forget how many he finished the game with, but he had a really really good game. Uh, also for the Hornets though, I made a note here about Mason Plumlee. Good God, am I the only one who almost vomited seeing that man's lefty free throw? Now I had heard that he had tried to switch it up because he was such a poor free throw shooter, but I don't remember ever seeing it. That man went lefty and it has, has like a double hitch. He had one. He actually hit back to back free throws to start the game, but the second one like bounced on the top of the rim, flew up and in. And hey, man, I guess whatever works for you. But I gotta close my eyes next time that man uh, Mason Plumlee's at the free throw line because that is ugly. But anyways, a lot of missed open shots and layups uh, in the fourth quarter led to kind of a, a Charlotte comeback. And unfortunately, we had to get playoff Jimmy just to beat the Charlotte Hornets because Jimmy did go off in that fourth quarter. It was basically Jimmy Butler a bust. He uh, he was great at attacking the basket. Phenomenal post play. His footwork is so underrated. The way he's able to fake and spin and pivot is just absolutely chef's kiss beautiful. So you hate you know having to need playoff Jimmy. But it's nice to know that he can still do it. And hopefully the going forward, you can see those games few and farther uh, between in the regular season because we want to kind of see him conserve himself for the playoffs. But there was another. So, of course, like I said, Jimmy was uh, was carrying. Uh, Charlotte ends up tying the game. And it was going to Jimmy for the game-winning shot. Jimmy goes isolation, holds the ball 30 feet outside of the hoop like all these teams do. He drives and then pushes off. And they call an offensive foul on the Jimmy Butler game-winner. And then going into the uh, the fourth quarter, uh, I think Char- I th- no, I think it, uh, the game went to overtime, and then they had inbounded the ball to Kelly Oubre, who was going for a game winner, but they called travel. It was one of those travels where you catch the ball on an inbounds pass, and your momentum kind of carries you two steps. And they never, they never, ever, ever called that travel. But the Heat got a break. I'm certainly not going to complain because we know my all the Miami teams get screwed all the time. So I'm certainly not mad at all. Now, something I do want to talk about, though, is because we've seen this literally, you know, uh, from that first game versus Charlotte and the previous three games included as well. All of them came down to the last possession. And let's go ahead and go through what happened. So you had that game versus Sacramento where Tyler hit the game winner. But what did they do? They held the ball 35 feet away from the hoop. Didn't do no screens, no passing, and then didn't even take a dribble till about five seconds left in the shot clock. Tyler Hero had to settle for a horrible shot, which of course he made, but he was only even able to get it off because he traveled. And of course, if they called the travel, that would be no good. Go to the next game versus Indiana, same thing, last possession for the win. No ball moving, no screens. One person touches the ball, and Tyler Hero does not make a move until there's about five seconds left, and he settles for a terrible fadeaway deep three-pointer that he airballed. Then you got the game versus Portland. Portland hit a game winner. What did they do? 
Damian Lillard comes quick down the court, driving kick out to Josh Hart. A beautiful play, beautiful ball movement, one kick out, and they hit the game winner. Then you go to the game versus Charlotte. Tie game, Jimmy Butler, who's been cooking all fourth quarter, like I said, held the ball 5-4, then finally starts attacking the basket, three seconds left. Listen, when you start attacking with that much time left, the defense knows you can't get to the rim, not enough time left. They know you're not going to pull it for three. They know you're going to settle for that mid-range shot. And because of that, Terry Rozier, he did exaggerate the contact and was able to flop backwards, and they called an offensive foul because of that. But it's because the defense knew exactly where Jimmy was going. So when you when, when you hold on to the ball that far from the hoop and then don't wait to attack until there's five seconds left and you have no ball movement, no screens or nothing, you end up with a terrible shot every single time. And I don't want to get on the heat too much specifically for this because every team does it. But it's frustrating because you watch all these teams move the ball all game, set screens, pick and rolls, all that stuff. But when it comes down to the final possession, the last shot of the game, they all settle for these terrible ISO shots with no ball movement. And it's frustrating because it never works. It seems that the only time the other team hits game winners is off of some sort of ball movement or unless you got that superstar like Luka or Dame who can go ISO. Now, yes, Tyler Hero was a great isolation scorer, and Jimmy Butler's had his share of game winners as well. But I'm just playing percentages here. I think the odds are much better when you get a, when you actually get some ball movement and play some basketball instead of just running isolation. But uh, we saw that they lost those. Uh, well, they they won in the game versus the Kings. Tyler traveled, he hit the shot, lost the next two, and then they were able to get that close win versus Charlotte. Really, nobody in Heat Nation felt good after that win versus Charlotte, just because. Uh, <clears throat> You know, uh, we had blew the big lead versus them and the Charlotte Hornets, and you needed playoff Jimmy to just barely, barely beat them. But you got the win, and you had another chance to prove yourself against the Charlotte Hornets again. And boy, did they. That was finally their first easy win of the season. Pretty much led double digits from the second half on, basically. Never really looked back. We saw enough garbage time to get my guy, Nikola Jovic, in there. And Jamal Kane made his debut. Both of those guys hit threes in only like a minute's worth of game time. But it was still nice to see them get in. The Heat finally had, well, not finally, but they had another game where they shot very, very well. It's pretty obvious that's the key uh, to this team's success is when their shooters shoot the ball well. That's why they were the first seed last year is because they led the league in three-point percentage. It's not a coincidence at all. They shot 41 threes, 39%. That is absolutely beautiful. Is it sustainable? Probably not. I I definitely don't think it is, but then again, Jimmy Butler only took eight shots that game, so maybe it could kind of balance out a little more. Jimmy was great though. Jimmy still finished with uh, 20 points, and he only and like I said, he only took eight shots, so it was really nice to see, uh, which is and double good because it was his second game in a row uh, where he's pretty effective. Because uh, the first game for Charlie had 35 points, like I was saying, the hero time balled out, and the thing with Jimmy in the regular season, we usually kind of see him coast the game after a monster performance. So although he took eight shots in the second game for Charlotte, his impact was still very, very much, uh, much, much uh, felt in that game. So, but the story of that game, because Jimmy, by the way, also I'm looking here, I was looking for the stats. He had a seven uh, rebounds and eight assists as well. So obviously he was still very impactful. Uh, and you did have a great game from Bam and Larry too. Bam with 24 points, Larry with 12, almost a triple-double. Larry two assists short of a triple-double. But the story of the game is not those guys. It's not missing Tyler Hero. The story of the game 
is my guy, Max Struess, who had 31 points. The boy scored his jersey number on 8 of 14 from 3, 10 of 16 overall. That means that we, we get got another. This is a Struess daddy alert. Let's go, baby. You love to see it, man. This team is so different when Max Struess is hitting shots, something that he's been pretty much doing all year. And I do want to shout out, too, before we get into the next topic, uh, Gabe Vincent, 20 points, balled out. LaMelo Ball came back, too, 15, uh, 6, and 6. He didn't shoot efficient. Obviously, he's got some rusted in, but he's a good player, so it's nice to see him be healthy. So, Max Struess, story of the game, I might argue story of the week. Why? Because this team is visibly, visibly very different when Max Struess is in the starting lineup instead of Tyler Hero. So far, the Tyler Hero experiment in the starting lineup has not gone great. We tried it last year, or two years ago, I believe. Did not work well. So far off the start to this year, they obviously have a very poor record. It's not working well either. And last year, when you had Duncan Robinson, it was okay. But as soon as you put Max Struess in there, this team went like 20, they won like 20 out of their next 25 games or some crazy statistic like that. So it doesn't take an expert to understand why Max Struess in the starting lineup makes sense. Of course, he is a very, very great shooter, a very, very great off-ball shooter, and he doesn't give up a ton on the defensive end like Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson would. The reason why all this works well is because, like we always say, it's obvious, Jimmy Bam, not three-point shooters. Max can sit in the corner, let both of those guys play make like they do so well, and they can hit Struess, and he just works very, very well. Now, Tyler, he can shoot off-ball. But the defense is obviously terrible, and he obviously does require the ball in his hands a lot more just because he is a more capable player than Max Struess, which is important because when Jimmy goes to the bench, you still need a go-to score, and that can be Tyler Hero. So I am officially under the belief that Tyler Hero should be coming off the bench. Now, yes, it's a very controversial topic. Some people are bringing the contract into it and say you can't bench him just because of his contract. And to a certain extent, I agree. Uh, The reason I agree is because he is also considered one of the star players uh so you would kind of want to start him but the uh the reason i disagree is because spolstra doesn't tend to start guys based off their contract we've seen a bench duncan robinson in the playoffs last year we've seen a bench tyler johnson back in the day who was on that 50 million dollar deal if guys don't perform spolstra is not afraid to bench you i think he doesn't want to give up on tyler hero because he's a lot better player than those guys were so he wants to try to make it work but in my opinion it is obvious this team gels so much better when Max Struess is out there. We know the kind of relationship Max and Jimmy have where they flick each other off every time coming in. They're boys. I'm not saying Jimmy and Tyler aren't. I'm sure they are. But it just is very clear that Jimmy and Max specifically have a different kind of connection. Uh, and I guess everybody else as well because Bam, Bam has found a good balance over the past week of attacking and also doing dribble handoffs. So I was really proud of him for that. And obviously, if Bam is going to be out there doing the dribble handoffs, Max Struess is the guy you want out there with him. Or Duncan, obviously. But Duncan's not going to play once Tyler and if Depot comes back. But Max Struess certainly will be out there. He fits so much better with the starting lineup. And it is so nice not seeing the other team consistently attack someone. Because anytime Duncan or Tyler is out there, those are the only guys the other team is going at. And they seem to be scoring with absolute ease. But that's just kind of where I'm at after this week. Hopefully, I'm not overreacting. Obviously, still a big fan of Tyler Hero. Uh, Still think he's a great player. Not one of those people that's thinking he sucks or anything like that because there's people that think that. Really, though, Heat Nation's been all over the place. And I'll tell you, man, when this team is losing, you see the craziest things on Twitter. You, You see 
opinions all over the place, whether it's trade Jimmy because we suck or Jimmy's the best player in the world or Jimmy's one of the best players in the world. You can't trade him. You see everything. So I'm under the belief that Max Drew should start. I'm curious to hear what y'all think. If y'all want to tweet me on Twitter, at uh, AnthonyD underscore Heat, maybe we can get a little conversation, man. I'd like to get a, the interactions up a little bit. But that pretty much covers all the games for this week. Uh, the only other kind of news uh, we got is uh, Drew Smith. He lost his two-way spot to Orlando Robinson, which, I mean, whatever. Uh, the only thing that signifies to me is that Omer Yurtsman is going to miss a lot longer than expected, which does suck. Uh, because obviously we kind of want to see he, he's kind of our only hope as far as on the roster of fixing this size issue and rebounding issue which is a huge huge problem I don't think he will just because he's he's very slow and that obviously uh, limits a lot of his stuff offensively and defensively still but he is big and maybe he can be out there and be big just to be big because Dwayne Devin ain't it even though he's had it he's had a decent week but we've seen Devin he is what he is you want to hope to get an upgrade there, and I'm going to leave it at that before I say anything worse. So, Orlando Robinson, now on a two-way contract. Hopefully, he never gets any run, because if he does, that means something went horribly wrong. Uh, but we'll see. And, and uh, rest up, Omer. Rest up, Depot, because we need you guys back very clearly, uh, and I'd like to see what you can contribute. So, hopefully, both of those guys can be back soon. Now, the next game versus, uh, the next game is versus the Phoenix Suns, uh, which if you're listening on Monday when this episode drops, will be tonight. Uh, I think Mikel Bridges is out. Uh, I can't really remember, but either way, with or without him, that team is once again having another really great uh, regular season, or at least start to it. They're eight and four right now. We know the guys they got. They got Devin Booker, Chris Paul, who's having kind of a down year. But regardless, we know that team is good. Uh, Cam Johnson is out for the year, but uh, maybe we get a a Duncan Robinson showcase game. We've heard all the talk, obviously, about Jay Crowder trade and. Uh, I'm sure Duncan would be a part of that trade. And maybe Phoenix can use Duncan because Cam Johnson is going to miss some time. Uh, he tore his meniscus. They said he's only going to miss a month, uh, which I guess is good for him. That sounds like a longer injury, but I guess he'll be back. But regardless, they could still use a guy like Duncan in the meantime. I don't think I don't think they would trade for um, you know an inflated five-year deal with, I guess, what, three or four years left uh, just for a month of Cam Johnson, uh, just for a month to replace Cam Johnson. But still... Uh, maybe they want Duncan because I'd love to get Jay Crowder on this team because he can be a guy that can certainly help with that four spot. Uh, and I think he would slide into that spot immediately over Caleb Martin. Love Caleb. He's not a four. We've been saying that a ton. Uh, there was the report that came out that said the Suns want Max Struess in a Jay Crowder trade, and you can shut the phone. Uh, you can shut the door, uh, hang the phone up so fast if that's what James Jones is calling and asking for the the Heat to trade because. That's not happening. Max Truce is a better uh, better player than Jay Crowder. We're not doing that. This Heat team needs Max Truce because he's the only one hitting threes at this point because Duncan Robinson is not doing it and Tyler Hero is not playing and Bam is too scared to shoot them. But that's what we got. Uh, it's not going to be an easy game for Miami, so I'm not even going to give a prediction because I don't want to be negative. That should tell you my prediction. Uh, but hopefully the Heat can win because they can finally get themselves out of that hole, get back to 500 for the first time since, I guess, being 0-0. Zero and zero. Uh, And then their next game would be versus Toronto to get over, which is going to be tough. So they do have a tough couple games getting up. But the sooner this team gets out of that hole, the better. I mean, if you get to the new year and you're still 500 or under or you know, just around that, you're in trouble. You don't want to fall in that playing game, and that's when you're going to get dangerously close to it. So they still got like another another month here, a month and a half to kind of, 
yeah, basically, basically a month and a half to kind of get out of that hole going into the new year. Uh, and that's when you'll really be able to evaluate your team come trade deadline in January and kind of decide how you want to proceed. Because uh, you don't want to have any question marks going around that time because that's where you might make a move that's terrible or not make a move, which could be worst case scenario. So, But that's all we got for this week. But I do have to share some exciting news with y'all. This, most likely, if everything goes according to plan, will be the last episode without me uh, or, or without me not having a co-host. The double negative makes it confusing. But basically, I should have a co-host next episode. And it is somebody that I guarantee you every single person listening to this podcast knows. They haven't told me whether I can announce it or not. So I certainly could if I wanted to. But I don't want to, man. I want to keep y'all on your toes. Uh, and they might release some promos. So make sure y'all follow Believe Sports or the Believe Network on, on Twitter. Uh, and I'm sure they'll be announcing in the coming days, if not today, because it is exciting. I'll give y'all a hint, but I'm not going to say who it is. He may or may not have a brother named Luigi. I'm just going to leave it on that. I'm going to get out of here. I'm looking forward to the next episode where y'all can find out. But I hope y'all enjoyed the podcast. If you didn't enjoy it, then there's nothing I could do about it. But I had a fun time, so I appreciate y'all. I'll see y'all next episode. Peace. On a different plane, different time zone. Step around, no attention, child. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.